So welcome, welcome. It's, don't tell the guys at the first service, but I have a limited amount of time availability at first, so I, I economize many times. And they didn't get to hear this story, so I, but I wanted to share this with you before we go into our prayer. And it's, uh, it's an ancient story. It's the disciple asking his elder. The disciple says, where shall I look for enlightenment? And the disciple asked, here, the elder said. When will it happen, the disciple asked. It is happening right now, the elder answered. And then why don't I experience it, the disciple persisted. Because you do not look, the elder said. But what should I look for, the disciple continued. Nothing. Just look. But at what, the disciple asked again. At anything your eyes alight upon, the elder answered. But must I look in a special kind of way, the disciple went on. No, the ordinary way will do, said the elder. But don't I always look the ordinary way, the disciple said. No, you do not, said the elder. But why ever not, the disciple asked. Because to look, you must be here. You're mostly somewhere else, the elder said. So our prayer today is an opportunity for myself, and if you'd like to join me on that, to be here. So if you'd like to stand and sing with me, or if you'd like to stay seated, that'd be great. Let's, let's sing. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through your every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room in this very room in this very room so know with me one life perfect life God's life and as I turn my awareness to that I'm fully present in this moment with you and I'm basking in that conversation. When deep calls unto deep, deep answered. Deep answers always. And so I give thanks this day, knowing that every good thing is available. And I have the vision and the eyes to be present with it and see it. It is wherever I look. In the face of my brothers and sisters on this Thanksgiving weekend. In gratitude and appreciation for life, for opportunity, for new ideas, new possibilities. And so I give thanks. I give thanks for this beautiful community, this beautiful, vibrant, dynamic community. I give thanks knowing every good thing for myself, for each one of us, reveals itself in the right and perfect way. And in this moment, my vow is to take that insight, that awareness, that new idea, and apply it in my life in a meaningful, powerful, wonderful way. And for this, I give thanks. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you, Brown.
So today is the, our Thanksgiving weekend, this long weekend, and it's, it's always wonderful to be together and have the opportunity. For me, it's such a, I'm so grateful. I just stand in such tremendous gratitude today to be part of this teaching, this tradition, this wisdom teaching that has, has transformed my life and my participation in life in, in amazing ways over the years. Gratitude is a very powerful tool. Gratitude attracts what we want. Consciously aware of our blessings and to be grateful for them. What it does is not just simply saying, well, you should be thankful, because I've, you know, I've heard that. And sometimes when people say that to me, I wasn't, I wasn't willing to go down that path. But what it does is it activates a, a vibration, a frequency, because what it requires us to do in order to step into it in a, a real way is to focus. And what we focus upon, we become. That which we dwell upon, we become. So gratitude is a tool for focusing more clearly on what we want in our lives. And as we know, and, and, and that's the same around blessings. To count our blessings, the gratitude journal, if some of you have those practices in your lives, you know how powerful it is. What it does is it realigns our thinking because our minds are such amazing, amazing vehicles of possibility and potential. Ernest Holmes said, and one of the things I love about our teaching, he said, it has been said that talent does what it can. Talent does what it can. But genius does what it must. And I think our teaching, and one of the phrases that I use a great deal is that, that I want to live from my genius. And, and, and that is a revelation. But if I'm, to, if I'm to accept what Dr. Holmes and many of the wisdom teachers that have come down through the ages have shared with us, within all of us are gifts and talents and amazing opportunities for the new expression of life and the continued expression of life. I wanted to share with you um, some, some wonderful stories about genius today. Because it, for me, um, you know, the, um, the genius that I'm uh, surrounded by is just such a powerful opportunity and an inspiration. I was watching a pr- presentation by J.J. Abrams. And J.J. is the producer of Lost, the TV series Lost. It's no longer on the air, but it ran six years. And Laura and I have been kind of going through it. We've, we've actually bought the set and we go through the years. And it's, it's amazing and fascinating. And so he gave a talk on TED, which is Technology, Education, and Design. TED.com, if you're looking uh, for it. And in it, he talked about his influences. And when he started talking, immediately had me hooked because the, my greatest influence in my life the guy that really laid the possibilities and the opportunities for me was my grandfather. And so he said that his earliest influence and his most powerful influence was his grandfather. So if you're, you're a grandparent, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to impart some things beyond the survival mode that I, a lot of parents get caught up in. But he said his grandfather had an um, electronics store back when he was a young boy, back in the 70s. And what his grandfather would do is he'd bring a gadget over to the house. He'd bring a phone over, he'd bring a radio over, and he said he'd let him take it apart, and he'd look inside and see what it was. And he said it was fascinating to look at all the circuitry and see how it worked. And he said his grandfather was just an amazing guy in terms of inspiring curiosity and the things that that, um, opened his mind and his thinking up. He said he also would gift him with tools, and he would encourage him to make stuff. And so he said, I'm 10 years old, and my grandfather, he said, he started lobbying because he knew he could work his grandfather a little bit for stuff that he was you know, longing for. And he, he called up his grandfather and said, you know, Grandpa, I really need this Super 8 movie camera. He said, I'm 10 years old. And, 
and Grandpa's on the phone, and, 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 uh, and then Grandma got on the phone, and she said, here, Grandma say, Harry, it's a good idea for him to be doing this. It's better than the drugs. So, <laughs> so they, bought him the, they bought him the phone. And he said that his grandfather, so his grandfather really inspired this, this curiosity and this ability to think in a different way. So his grandfather took him to a magic store in New York City, and they went up the elevator, and as soon as you get out of the elevator, you're in the store. And he said it was the neatest store. You're just in it, and it's all these great magic tricks. And he said he bought him a box that said Tannen's Magic Box. And he, he brought it on stage in the presentation, and, Ted, and he turns it around, and it says $15. He said, $15 for $50 worth of magic. So it's a good deal. And he never opened it. To this day, he's never opened it. He said, I'm not a hoarder. I don't save a lot of things, but I've had this box with me. It sits in my office. And what it represents for me is my grandfather. Because what my grandfather taught me was infinite possibilities, hope, and potential. And he said, so this is precious to me. He said, I'm drawn as an artist and as a creative individual to the infinite possibility. And I thought, this guy's just, he's, he's talking our language. Dr. Holmes talked about it. Talent does what it can. Genius does what it must. And so he was talking about when he produced Lost. He said they wrote the two-hour pilot. They had 11 weeks to, to, to write it, cast it, film it, and get it to the production company in 11 weeks. And he said that, that, that tight timeline, one of the things it did is it, that they weren't allowed, they never got into doubt or questioning. They just did it. And so if you've seen it, it's just a, it's this multi-layered story. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's endless. Sometimes you're like, man, oh, man, I want to know what happened over here. And they're on this story now. And it's, but it's fascinating. And there's a lot of theories about what the, what the setting represents, which is great because it's mystery. And he said that's the thing about mystery. He talked about that. He talked about mystery leads to in, innovation. Mystery leads to innovation because we don't know. What wants to happen here? What, what do we want to give birth to? And he talked about this box that he's never opened, representing the mystery. He talked about the blank page, filling the blank page with imagination. Imagination, he said, is more important than, than intelligence. And he's speaking to a group of scientists. But he said, imagination is more important than intelligence. And then he said, stories are our mystery boxes. Our stories are our mystery boxes. So when I came in the doors of this teaching, and, and we all, I think we can all remember when we first found the teaching or came in the door. For me, I was in a lot of, I was in a really, I didn't know any other way of being but suffering. And fear, worry, lack. I mean, I, I, I saw people thriving, and I thought that would be a nice idea, I'd like try that sometime, but I just couldn't get there. So, but, but that brought me in the door. And so what we teach as a community and as a movement, as our lives are a blank page today. And there is mystery. There is the unknown, because we don't know. But what we can do is direct faith in a way. And so we get an opportunity to look at what's inside of us. We become the mystery box. What's inside of us? And then as we do the spiritual practice, as we move through the levels of, of, of awareness, we move from the, the victim consciousness, which I was when I came in the door. I just described it to you a little bit. And then you move into this idea that if you do affirmative prayer, if I work with a practitioner, if I find a good minister, if I get into class and I start to, and I start to reformulate my, my core beliefs, I can start to direct my life. I can start to direct my faith, and I can start having new experiences, which is amazing. Man, I love that. 
This is perfect for a guy like me. I got all kinds of ambition. But then, but, but then to move into the next portal, the next kingdom of awareness, which is co-creation with the infinite. They call it the third kingdom in the, in the, the paradigm I'm speaking from. There's four kingdoms. The first one is to me, victim. The next is by me, which is that I'm directing my life, master of time, space, and dimension, and I'm going to go to Europe. Then you move into the third kingdom, which is as, uh, through me, which is that there's no separation. And then the, the fourth kingdom is as me, complete oneness. And so what a beautiful journey. And when you understand it, you realize, wow, I'm still the blank page, even today. Found this teaching in 1980, still doing the work. Still giving birth to the ideas and the opportunities. But what's happened for me is that I've gone from the despair of it and realized, oh my God, it's never going to change. It's never going to get better to realize, man, I can't wait to see how this turns out. This is amazing. Look at this. Hmm. You know, I used to joke around and say, you know, I have enough money to live the rest of my life as long as I'm dead by Wednesday at 12 o'clock. And I realized, I've got to stop affirming that. I thought it was very funny when I heard it. Then, You know, I don't want that to be my... I don't want that on my... I'm not going to have a tombstone, but if I were going to have one, I'm, I'm in the recycling um, program. So, yeah, a smaller footprint. If any of the parts are usable when I'm done with them, you can have them. Ernest Holmes said, as the, as the human will gives way to the divine, there's an increasing possibility. If the human will gives way to the divine, this is the movement in kingdom. This is moving from the second kingdom or the first kingdom. And you can't go from the first kingdom to the fourth. There's a progression in awareness and in consciousness. But as the human will gives way to the divine, there's an increasing possibility. And with that possibility, the immediate necessity of that vacuum to be filled by the divine. So as we create space in our awareness, as we put things down, and we can do that with great love and great care, and say, I'm not doing that anymore. There's something else for me to do here. What is that? It is immediately filled because the universe abhors a vacuum. And he says, I believe that whenever the human gives way to the divine, then there is that influx. And that is our spiritual practice. Ernest said, teach and practice, practice and teach. Teach and practice, practice and teach. That's all we have. That is all we're good for. And that is all we ought to ever do. Teach and practice. So I get it. Teach and practice. So gratitude, the other thing that gratitude is, it improves relationships. It improves relationships. Saying thank you. Has anyone ever thanked you for something? Anybody here besides me? A couple people? Yeah. And do you remember that? I mean, it's quite significant when someone thanks you. I went down and Dan's sons are here every once in a while. I don't know the schedule, but whenever they're here, I can, I can hear them before I can see them. They're right below my office in the nursery, Isaiah and Zachary, and they're just full of life. And a few weeks back, I went down to hang out with them because the meditation was going on. I thought, I'll just go down and see if I can harness some of the energy. And we just had a great time, and every time we see each other, we get this. I mean, it's just like, oh, man. You know, there's, it's just like, I love you. And you love me. I mean, it's just this, this connection, which is just, it's wonderful. Because it's just this, it's just being present with one another. So I was down there this morning, and I was calling them. I said, hey, buddies, how you doing? You know, and we, we, they have new cowboy boots, and I was showing them my cowboy boots. And we're going on and on, and we're all looking good, and high-fiving one another. And I'm leaving, and he says to uh, Nikki and, and Katie, who are watching them down there, uh, Isaiah says to Katie, 
He says, you know why he calls me buddy? And uh, Katie says, no. He says, because we're so much alike. <laughs> we're so much alike. And it's true. I mean, it's true. It's just the recognition, man. It's, I mean, it's just, it's just based on this pure. And children have that. They're just so present. It's like, there you are. Yeah, there you are. I see you too. You know, and you can get captured in that. And that's a beautiful, such a pure, beautiful experience. Uh, I love it. I just look forward to it. Every time I come over and I say, I wonder if the guys are going to be there this week. You know, I look forward to seeing them. So, but to say thank you in appreciation, what it does is it, it, to be grateful for people, for their contributions, for their talents, for their actions. And we can find those things. Once again, it, it lifts us up. It takes us into that other realm. So J.J. Abrams was talking about this experience with his grandfather and the blank page. And that potential and the possibility that we, all can, that we all offer ourselves in the world. That's what I'm interested in. There's amazing things happen. We have a young lady that, that's uh, visiting today, and uh, her and her husband, Darren, um, do our podcast. And they live up in High Level. High River? High Level? Yep. They live up north. And they, Darren was in the, uh, very much part of the community for a number of years or months, and it's been so long now, but they moved up there and they said, we'll host the podcast. And it's been such a blessing to get the feedback. Every week, or we get a, a correspondence once or twice a month, sometimes more, of someone thanking us from some place far away. And those two take the podcast, they listen to it, they create the definition, and they write it out. And I want to just thank you two for... Would you two stand up and, and so I can express my gratitude for you two doing this? Thank you. And Teresa has also just uh, put together and published her book called Love Your Skeletons. And she has a few copies with her. And if you'd like to speak to her afterwards, I said, stand over in the corner there. I'm going to promo your book. But wonderful, wonderful uh, book. And and, uh, we thank you for your support and your love and your contribution. And I'm looking forward to, Laura and I have our own autographed copy, so I'm looking forward to reading it from in totality. I read part of it before and I'm really uh, excited about that. So thank you both. And so th- there's, here's an example of genius expressing. Genius must, does what it must. I was reading st- statistically right now that over 50% of authors on the planet right now, I think it's about 53, 54% are female. And there's a shift taking place energetically on the planet where in a lot of, especially in the third world countries where there's been so much male dominance where it's been very much about a, a patriarchy, it's shifting. And not that it's shifting out of balance, but it's coming into a balance that we haven't seen before. And there's a lot of research around it. And so, and, and the written word is just so powerful. So genius is, here's, here's genius at a local level. Here's service and love at a local level. Here's people that have, you know, that, that for the kindness and, and generosity of their heart, just say, we want to help you with this, these podcasts. And they have manned it, and they've done it, and, and, and it's been their service to, to this community, to this message, and to the world. That's powerful. This last week, uh, Steve Jobs passed away. And Steve Jobs founded Apple Computer. I think many of you know that I have an Apple laptop and I love the Apple um, because it's easy for me. I'm not a computer. I can't take it apart. I can't put it together. I need something that will run. And PCs are great, but uh, uh, those that have more talent than I, are, I can really thrive with those. But Jobs did a, uh, 
he did a, a, a commencement speech at Stanford University in 2005. And he said, I have three stories I want to tell you. And I thought, on this day of genius, on this day of gratitude, I'd love to share this message. And it's so timely because he just made his, he just made his transition. He started out by talking about connecting the dots. And as a young, when he was born, his mother was a single graduate student. And she was unable to continue her studies. But what she did is she decided she was going to put him up for adoption. And so she found the right and perfect parents, and she knew the importance of education. So she decided that, I told, sorry, I'm, I'm supposed to stand in a certain spot because we're filming this, so I forgot. Anyway, um, I can go this way, and I can go this way. But I'm not supposed to go this way, so. So anyway. <laughs> how's it look? Does it look pretty natural? <laughs> Anyway, so Job's mother wanted him to be adopted by college graduates. That was one of the things that she uh, was really uh, adamant about. And so he was born, and all of a sudden the parents that had lined up, and they'd done this screening, and it all looked perfect, decided they didn't want a boy, they wanted a girl. So the adopted parents turned him down. And so they called a, the next people in line and said, would you like a little boy? And they said, absolutely. Well, it turned out the two parents that took Steve Jobs is a baby. Neither one of them had college, uh, college education. But what they did is they said, we will make sure that he gets to college. So they raised him, and they stayed in touch with the birth, biological mom, and he got to college age, and he selected Reed College. And Reed College is one of the most expensive, at the time, one of the most expensive universities in the United States. He went for three months. He realized he'd chosen this college, and his parents, who didn't have a lot of money. It was, they were spending every nickel they had to fund his college program. And so it, after three months, he looked at it, and he realized he was studying things that he wasn't connecting with. He dropped out. And he said it was a, a magical time for him because he dropped out of college. But what he started to do, rather than go to the classes he had to go to, he started going to the classes he wanted to go to. So he spent another 18 months just dropping in on classes and learning stuff he wanted to learn. And he said it was great, and he said, and he, he lived, he slept, in a, in a, he slept wherever he could sleep because he didn't have room for or money or for accommodations. And once a week, he would travel across town to the Buddhist temple where they gave a free lunch. And he said, look forward to it. He said, it was wonderful. And he started studying because uh, Reed College was known for its calligraphy, beautiful calligraphy. Everything on the campus was in this beautiful calligraphy. And he started going to the calligraphy classes. And he said there was all kinds of neat type, typography and, and he learned about spacing of letters and he learned about style and he learned about all these things that, that allow people to read and learn more efficiently. And so he did that for 18 months and then he went out in the world and 10 years later he developed the, the first Apple computer. And he said the amazing thing was that all that information, all those classes he dropped in on, he wasn't even paying tuition because um, he couldn't, but he was dropping in. Uh, all that information showed up in how they, they manufactured the Mac. And he, said it, and he said, because the PC stole everything from Mac, it influenced them too. So, for you guys that love PCs, it came from the Mac, according to Jobs. But he said that those 10 years of de design showed up. And he said what he learned from that, connecting the dots, because it seemed random at the time. Connecting the dots, he said, you have to trust in something. Believing that the dots will connect. This is such a powerful, powerful message. It's not random what's happening to you. 
It's not random what happens to me. The, the things that are precious are showing up in our experience so we can, we can hone the mastery and the awareness around them so that we can either live from, our, live from it or master it. And so he's talking about that, believing the dots will connect. He said, we'll make the difference in your life. So he's telling his, you know, thousands of Stanford graduates this idea. He said, and he still hasn't, he still never graduated from university. Then he talked about love and loss, his next story. He said that when he was 30 years old, he had started Apple Computer. When he was 30 years old, they had brought in a manager to work with him, and they got along really well for about the first year. And then there were problems. And so then they went to the board of directors, and the board of directors sided with the guy they brought in. Hi, guys. And they were... Uh, they <laughs> and, and he was fired. He said, "Here, imagine, you start your own company, and then they fire you. My buddies, I was just talking about you two. Anyway. So he said, here, I'm, I'm, I've started the company 30 years old. I get fired from my own company. And he said, I was devastated, just devastated. But he said that getting fired freed him to be free in his creativity. And what he did is he developed his own company called Next, and then he developed Pixar. And Pixar is the one of the companies that developed the, the animation, which is incredible. And he found the love of his life. He said, I never would have met my wife and had all these wonderful children if I, had, if I hadn't gotten fired. None of it would have happened. He said, and, and he said, we, you need to do what you believe is great. You and I, and I love that, man, you and I need to do what we believe is great. And that we're capable of that. It's our opportunity. He said, because if you believe it's great, it's something you love. It's something you love. And he said, keep looking. Don't settle. And if we have that going, that's an amazing thing. Keep looking. Don't settle. And then the last thing he talked about, he talked about his cancer. He said in 2005, he went in and the doctor said, you have pancreatic cancer, go home and put your affairs in line. And he said, when a doctor tells you that, it's, it's a death sentence. But he said, <clears throat> he said that at the time he was in full remission, looked like the cancer was gone completely. He said, if you live each day as if it were your last, one day you'll be right. If today was the last day of my life, would I be doing what I'm doing? If today was the last day of my life, would I be doing what I'm doing? Somebody shared with me on the way out, they said that um, another saying along with that is that death is the only thing that we'll all succeed at eventually. But he said, death is a destination we all share. Steve Jobs said, death, death, death is a destination we all share. It's, it's life's change agent. The clearing away. Your time is limited. My time is limited. And then he talked about one of his early influences. He said, growing up, before they had Google, they had the whole earth catalog. Anybody remember the whole earth catalog? I remember it. And they used to print it on this parchment paper, and it was type, the typeset was type, typewriter, and you looked like they cut it out with the scissors. And, but it was really the early version of Google. And he said, and the guy that started it, eventually it, 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 it ran its course. But he said, the last issue... He said he never forgot. It had a picture of a, a, a country road. And he said there was a caption underneath it that said, Stay hungry, stay foolish. Stay hungry, stay foolish. 
And I, th- and I think it is truly about that hunger for, for understanding more, for life, for the passion for life. And the foolishness is just to not take ourselves so seriously. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. One of the things I love about this teaching, it's all working out. You know, in a thousand years, is anybody really going to care? In fact, I was watching something on happiness, and they said, I was watching a broadcast on happiness, they said, most people, three months after an event, don't even remember the event. If you didn't get the job, or you, you, you didn't get the, the, uh, the opportunity, or something happened, he said, within three months, most people have forgotten completely. So, because we create happiness. So, Job's amazing life, you know, changed his life. In fact, when J.J. Abrams was talking, he had his MacBook Pro there with him. He said, he says, I love the MacBook Pro because it's always saying to me, come on, man, what are you going to write today? Write something great today. And, and he says, a lot of times I look at it and go, I got nothing today. Get away from me. But this idea of, of genius, and genius is who and what you and I are. As Holmes said, it has been said that talent does what it can, but genius does what it must. Ernest also said, teach and practice, practice and teach. That's, what is, that's all we have, that's all we are good for, that is all we'll ever, that we ever ought to do. He said, I don't believe this movement is worth a dime unless something happens. I don't believe this movement is worth a dime unless something happens. There was a, I was reading this morning about Ernest, he said, a woman came to him and said, we were at a seance the other day, and Ernest said, tell me more. And she said, the, the seance person read from the Science of Mind magazine. It was terrible. <laughs> and Ernest looked at her and said, let me know who that medium is. I'm going to send her one of the deluxe issues of our textbook. See, <laughs> so he didn't care where the information came from. It's like, this is all God. It's all God. And, but an interesting perspective, huh? Fantastic. He didn't care if a medium is reading from the Science of Mind magazine. More power to him. Get the message out. I've got a buddy. I used to do it. I'm going to start doing it again. But if you go to like chapters, as long as chapters is around while we have the opportunity, I think we should all do this. Go in the bookstore, buy a copy of Creative Thought magazine, go over to Borders or wherever. Uh, what, what, I get them mixed up. Chapters, Borders. I don't ever look at the name. I just see books in the window. And go in and, and like in the self-improvement section, just slide them in between books. About every 10 books. <laughs> Huh? Why not? Put a little sticker on there, Center for Spiritual Living. If we get a complaint, I'll let you know. There's some genius showing up. I just thought of that. Thank you. Gratitude reduces negativity. One of the fastest ways to improve your mood is to go to gratitude. I want to get real gratitude. And gratitude helps us learn. Gratitude helps us learn. Every situation is a learning opportunity. Even if we've done it a million times, it's a, what is there for me to know here? What's there for me to do? Holmes used to always say, there's not something to do first, there's something to know. He understood. It, is, it all starts with thought. It all starts with thought. But we sometimes, for me, the challenge was I was so immersed in the thought, I didn't even know what I was thinking. Didn't even know I had a chance or, a, or an opportunity to change it because I was in such, I was in such a tripwire mode with it. And part of the journey is to be able to have that awareness. Eckhart Tolle talks about it. Ramdas talks about it. I mean, all of the great teachers talked about it. So on this on this Thanksgiving Day, I'm just I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful to be part of this community. I'm so grateful for people that have that uh, have been part of my my uh, journey. 
Marcia Sutton says, a minister will create the ministry around them that will help facilitate the, the, the greatest healing. I thought, oh, man, I don't know if I like that, but I think it's true. And so I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful to have the people that in my life that have influenced me and guided me, the people that have sat with me hour after hour and affirmative prayer and the books I've been gifted to read and the, and the insights that you share with me throughout this this journey. We're doing a, a Beyond Limits class right now, and the, the, the energy in that class is just amazing. But I feel that in every class. It's to come together with that common purpose, and there's a, there's a brilliance and a genius that emerges. And then we, we start to have that conversation. It's just so powerful, so affirming. So Steve Jobs, he left us this, his legacy. He said this at the Stanford um, address for the graduation in 2005. He said, your time is limited, so don't waste it living somebody else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the, with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. I think that's just such a powerful statement and what a beautiful legacy. We are here to become, to continue to become for ourselves, for one another, and really for spirit. And so we, we have that opportunity. We can move through the kingdoms. And sometimes we forget and sometimes we fall back into a kingdom of victimhood. But once we've been exposed to a bigger idea and the lights come on, we stay there we stay there with less uh, um, time. It's a quickening. And that's beautiful and it's powerful. So on this, on this Thanksgiving weekend, I just I want to share my deep gratitude for life, for opportunity, for laughter, for joy, for service, for possibility, for giving birth to the genius. So whatever it is we must do, what is in that mystery box that you and I are? What is within us? that we can reveal and make a difference right here and right now. Blessings.